Chapter 9 of The Sea Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jerry Dixon. The Sea Witch by Murray Macherine Ballou. Chapter 9 The Attack. Don Leonardo was no favorite among the tribes and chiefs of the region which was his immediate neighborhood, and he lived within the walls of his well-arranged residence, more like one in a fort than in his own domestic dwelling, maintaining himself, in fact, by a regular armament of his servants, and a few countrymen whom he retained in his service. With the negroes he was, therefore, no friend, save so far as he purchased their prisoners of them, whom they secured in their marauding inroads upon the interior tribes. They feared Don Leonardo because he was a bold bad man, and cared not for the spilling of blood at any time, for the furtherance of his immediate gain in the trade he pursued. It was for his interest to make them fear him, and this he contrived to do most effectually. As Don Leonardo always paid for the slaves he purchased of the coast tribes in hard Spanish dollars, they believed him to possess an inexhaustible supply of specie, and the idea of robbing him had more than once been broached among them in their councils. But fear and want of tact as to proper management in conducting an assault, they felt would ensure the defeat of such a purpose, and thus the Spaniard had remained unmolested for years in his present position, but in no way relaxing the necessary degree of vigilance which should render safe his household for he knew full well the treacherous character of the negroes and that they were not for a moment to be trusted maud his daughter was in no way ignorant of this state of affairs she fully understood the entire matter perhaps the fact that some portion of the blood of that despised race ran in her own veins led her to conceive a plan for revenge which should embrace not only the party who was the grave object of her hate but even every person of white blood in her father's household, not even excepting her father. No one, save a North American Indian, can hold and nourish a spirit of revenge like a quadroon. It seems to be an innate trait of their nature, and ever ready to burst forth in a blaze at any moment. It was impossible to understand exactly by what course of reasoning Maud had arrived at the purpose of attempting the destruction of the household as she did. One would have supposed that she would have been apt to adopt the easiest mode of arriving at the desired result, and that with even her simple knowledge of poison, she might, with a little adroitness, have taken the lives of all who were gathered under her father's roof at a single meal. But the revengeful girl evidently had some secret feeling to gratify, in the employment of the agents whom she engaged for her purpose, and the blow she resolved should be struck, and decisively, too, by the negro enemies of her father, who were his near neighbors. For this fell purpose Maud held secret meetings with the chiefs, represented that her father's strong boxes were full of gold and silver coin, and that the negroes had only to effect an entrance at night, means for which she was herself prepared to furnish them, and at the same time representing to them that they would have it in their power to revenge themselves for all their past wrongs at her father's hands fancied or real. The negroes and their chiefs were only too intent upon the treasures their fancy depicted, to think or care for Maud herself, or to question the reason of her unnatural treachery. 
so they promised to enter the stockade under her direction rob the house and then screen the deed they had committed by burning the dwelling and all within its precincts while this diabolical plan had been thoroughly concocted captain ratlin and the two english ladies had passed many pleasant hours together all unconscious of there being any danger at hand and even maud with subtle treachery seemed more open and free than she had been in her intercourse with them at first but when she thought herself unobserved she would at times permit a reflex of her soul to steal over her dark handsome features and the fire of passion to flash from her eye at such moments the quadroon became completely unsexed and could herself scarcely contain her own anger and passion so far as not to spring tiger-like upon the object of her hatred but the hour for the attempt upon the dwelling and the destruction of its inhabitants drew near the negroes had sworn to stand by each other and had sacrificed an infant to their deity to propitiate him and ensure success it was long past midnight that the blacks might have been seen pouring out of the adjacent jungle nearest to the house they had selected the hour for their attack when they supposed the dwellers in the stockade house would be soundest wrapped in sleep and they had indeed chosen well and all their plans had been carefully arranged but just as maud opened the secret entrance for them to pass in and she herself passed out to flee for the time being from the scene don leonardo came out from his sleeping apartment followed by a trusty slave and promptly shot down the two first figures that entered by the door causing them to fall dead this unexpected repulse caused those behind to retreat for a while to the jungle where they might consult under cover as to what this unexpected opposition to their plans indicated the reader may as well be here informed that a faithful slave who had been long with the spanish trader and who had been confided in by the robbers at last could not keep the secret but just at the opportune moment aroused her master while he by his promptness for the moment stayed the attack until the door could once more be fastened and the people awakened and armed to repel the congregated mass of the enemy the father did not for one moment suspect his child's treachery and was amazed and alarmed by her absence but there was little time for speculations upon that or any other matter since the large numbers of the negroes had rendered them bold and they seemed determined now they were partially foiled in their purpose as to entering the place by stratagem to carry the house at all hazards by actual storm while they rendered the air heavy with their yells don leonardo was not at all alarmed he had fought too many battles with the negroes to fear them he quietly prepared his firearms and loaded to the muzzle a heavy swivel gun he kept mounted at one of the main windows while he gave arms to such of his slaves as he felt confidence in and to his immediate retainers the negroes had never seen nor heard the swivel fired as it was a late importation they had become somewhat accustomed to small arms and though they had a dread of them yet it was not sufficient to deter them from making the attack after having congregated in such numbers and having become so wrought up by each other but as they made a rush bodily towards the stockade don leonardo filled the swivel which had been loaded with shot slugs and bullets into their very midst every missile telling on the limb or body of one or more the effect was electrical and the slaughter large 
the astonished savages rapidly gathered up their wounded companions and returned to the jungle once more at first this terrible slaughter among them seemed to deter them from the idea of a second attack but the loud report of the gun rapidly augmented the numbers of the blacks until they made a second onslaught with almost precisely the same effect they could scale the stockade only on this side while on the other or opposite side captain ratlin kept up such a deadly and accurate fire of musketry that every one who approached the buildings was sure to forfeit his life it was fortunate that this arrangement had been made for the negroes twice attempted to set the dwellings on fire from the rear but were instantly repulsed by captain ratlin's double-barreled gun which was ready loaded by his side and which he used with fearful accuracy of aim on every approaching object the negroes seemed to be wrought up to such a state of excitement that they would not give over their purpose though it involved such immense risk and sacrifice of life and the attack was continued at intervals far into the morning and long after the regular course of duty until at last the negroes divided their mutilated numbers into four parties and it was evidently their last and most determined attempt they did not hurry this but seemed to pause and take refreshments and rest for a couple of hours when once more the onslaught commenced and the inhabitants of the stockade found it a desperate fight and one even of doubtful result if long continued as it began keep the black imps clear don for a short half hour longer and it will be all up with them shouted captain ratlin from the rear i see a heavy square rig rounding the point and standing in for an anchorage we shall find civilized help that is lucky growled the spaniard as he coolly shot down a negro our powder is fast giving out the inhabitants of the stockade sadly needed assistance at this critical juncture for the infuriated savages had become desperate and reckless in their attack and must soon have carried the building by storm but there soon pulled to the beach a half dozen boats with a detachment of marines and seamen led on at full speed by an officer before whose approach the angry negroes retired exhausted leaving many dead upon the ground and many too severely wounded to effect their retreat to the jungle the fight had been a very sanguinary one to the half-witted creatures outside the stockade the newcomers were an officer and part of the crew of a man-of-war that was cruising upon the coast and which had been attracted to the harbor by the firing of the heavy swivel they were admitted within the stockade that they were english was at once observable by the flag that floated from the graceful craft that had now rounded to and come to an anchor within blank cartridge shot of the factory or barracoons the officer felt authorized to interfere as we have seen but his power of search and of interference in the peculiar trade of the coast ceased the moment he touched the land his jurisdiction did not extend over any residence on their property unless it was afloat over the coast and rivers he claimed jurisdiction only the newcomers were hospitably entertained by don leonardo while the officer who had led them and whose insignia of rank betrayed his station as captain was introduced into the more private apartments of the place where were the ladies and captain ratlin the latter trying to reassure them and to quiet their fears on account of the late fearful business of the fight he was thus engaged when the english captain entered and was not a little astonished to hear the mutual expressions of surprise that were uttered by both the ladies and the officer himself 
while a moment sufficed to show them to be old acquaintances. The reader would here recognize, in the newcomer, Captain Robert Bramble, whom we saw paying suit to Miss Huntington not long previous on the shady veranda of her mother's house in the environs of Calcutta. Notwithstanding the excitement of the moment, and the joy felt on all sides at the timely arrival of the English officer and his people, notwithstanding the surprise of the moment, that filled all present at the singular melting of old friends under such extraordinary circumstances, yet a close observer might have noticed an ill-suppressed expression of dissatisfaction upon Captain Ratlin's face, as he saw the English captain in friendly and even familiar intercourse with mother and daughter. "'Who could have possibly foreseen this strange, this opportune meeting?' said the mother. "'It is as strange as agreeable, I assure you.' replied the newcomer, and you erect and picked up at sea, you say, and brought here by— Captain Ratlin, interrupted the daughter, fearing that her mother would have introduced a word that would have betrayed their protector. Yes, by Captain Ratlin, continued the mother, permit me to introduce you, gentlemen. Captain Bramble, this is Captain Ratlin. You are both seamen, and there is no need of compliments, though I am seriously indebted to you both. Of the merchant service, I presume, said the English officer, regarding the young and handsome commander of the sea witch with a somewhat suspicious eye. From childhood, was the cool reply, while, as though by a feeling of common content, both turned away from each other to other objects. Captain Bramble saw that she whom he had so profitlessly saved, she whose smile would have been invaluable to him, now spoke low and gently to the merchant captain, and even smiled kindly upon his remarks to her, of whatever nature they might be. Doubtless, from the moment of their introduction, a vague suspicion of his true character crossed the English officer's thoughts, but now he needed no other incentive than the fact that Miss Huntington received and entertained his address so agreeably, and with such evident pleasure, to make him more than watchful, and resolved to find out the truth. "'You are not long arrived, Captain Ratlin?' asked the other. "'Within these two weeks,' was the calm reply. "'Not seeing your vessel, I presume she has gone to the windward, for ivory.' "'Or perhaps to leeward for other cargo,' answered the other, somewhat haughtily. The hint was sufficient, and the English officer saw that, let his trade be what it might, he had one to deal with who was master of his own business, and who feared no one. It was nearly night when Maud Leonardo reappeared, expressing profound surprise at what had occurred, and feigning well-assumed grief and regret, so honestly, too, as to deceive all parties who observed her. But her secret chagrin could hardly be expressed. Indeed, her father, who knew her better than anyone else, saw that there was something wrong in his daughter's spirit, that some event had seriously annoyed and moved her. He knew the child possessed of much of her mother's wild, revengeful disposition, and though even he never for a moment suspected her unnatural treachery, yet he resolved to watch her. The negroes she had joined in the attack were completely routed and disheartened, and fearing the power and cunning of Don Leonardo, retreated far inland and incorporated themselves with the tribes that gather their wild and precarious living in the depths of the jungle. End of chapter 9
Recording by Jerry Dixon, Zephyr Hills, Florida.